I am back already with another idea for an episode, which you can likely see in the title. Um, so if you're interested in hearing about an epiphany I had in the last month or so about how to, about how I've used something like fan fiction that is free and available to everyone to try to process things in my life, even things that I don't completely remember, um, I continue listening. Because, yeah, um, one thing I wanted to talk about just in the beginning of this is that I feel like the pop psychology, mega, like, girl boss, white supremacy, individualistic culture to the max side of um, therapy that is always somewhere online can really give people this perception that if you go to therapy once a week and just do the therapy during therapy that like magically your life will improve if you don't do anything else. And like any good trauma therapist obviously would be like, you know, tell you that that's not exactly accurate, but I feel like it's always daunting for people before they go to imagine that. And it, and so one of the things that I've always used since I knew that fan fiction existed when I was 12 in 1997, <laughs> um, I'm now almost 39. It's been a really long time that I've been reading it. Um, I've used that as a way to kind of try to process through things that are bothering me, try to deal with it, try to cope with life. I use it as like an escapism tool, as a coping mechanism. And I even use it as a way to try to remember times of my life or even just almost try to process through things that remembered in different times in my life that I don't actually have like clear memories of yet. Um, but I just kind of use it that way. And so I realized in the last month or so that that is not something that everybody does <laughs> from talking to another friend of mine who also does it, but made a point to talk about it in a way that made it clear that most people don't use fan fiction like that. And so I wanted to talk about that just because I feel like fan works like that can really do a lot for people in situations like, like big time trauma, like incest, child sexual abuse, just abuse when you're a child in general. Um, and so I wanted to, you know, just talk about how I've used it and see if it would be helpful to anyone else out there who may be looking for something in between therapy appointments, who hasn't been able to see a therapist for whatever reason but wants to feel like they're doing something to try to help themselves or just needs like an escape. This might be something for you if you haven't tried it already. So, um, yeah. So, um, the conversation I had with a friend of mine, I think it was like a month ago was, um, this friend has dissociative identity disorder. And I don't believe that, I have DID, although you never know. Um, but I don't think that I do. But, uh, you know, I still dissociated a lot. Like, I just did an episode 
the other day about dissociative amnesia, which is where your memories, you either don't remember times of your life or the memories you have are super foggy where they're really unclear and you only remember certain things. And that's definitely me. Like so much of my life is so foggy. Um, most of the memories I have in my life are like that. And so, and I know that I dissociated a lot and there's so many things that I just don't remember that I can tell, I can tell when there's like a brick wall that I'm running into, or I just like, don't remember what happened, um, in, in my, in like my own memories. And so even if I don't have DID, um, I still, um, we still have a bunch of things in common with the amount of dissociation that we have done in our lives. And she was, uh, this person was talking about how one of the ways that, um, her therapist diagnosed her with DID was when she was talking about how there are times in her life that she basically like assigns kind of like fictional characters or ships, which is like romantic couples that you root for in whatever movie, TV show, book, like comic book, anime, whatever it is that you're watching. And that her reading the stories involving those characters, like certain stories are the ways that she like connects with that part of her life because she was so like dissociated from that part of her life when it was happening that reading these fan fiction stories are like the only ways that she can really connect with with that part of herself and her memories or lack of memories that she has from that time because she dissociated so much that she otherwise can't really remember what happened um and i was like oh i do that too (laughs) Like, I totally do that. And I was like, is that not normal? And I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That that wouldn't be normal um, for most people. Like, the way that I described it when I was telling my therapist about this was like, you know, most people can probably just remember their life, right? They don't need to read certain, like, fan fiction stories by certain with certain characters or like certain themes in order to work through memories that you can't even remember because you just remember them (laughs) and you can just think about it and be like, Oh, that sucked when that happened. There's so many things that I do in my life that I feel like would be, I would save so much time, honestly, at this point, if I could actually remember them without having to do these sort of things, but I don't. And, um, my brain is never going to work like that. Um, so doing the fan fiction stuff is something that I can do to figure this stuff out. And I think it's really interesting to think about, um, in that way, because I, like when I was younger, like I started reading fan fiction when I was 12 and when I was 12 was just the worst time ever. Um, and I've just always kind of had a different fandom as I've gone through life that has been, I used to do it almost to the, I, to basically to the point of like, um, like derealization where like my life doesn't feel real. Um, because I would spend all of my time thinking about this like fictional world 
and these fictional characters and what those fictional characters were going through. And like one of the characters in whatever thing that I loved was always, I always saw like, uh, I always would get obsessed with it because there'd be a character in that thing that I really identified with that I really loved that reminded me of me and was going through things that were similar enough to what I was experiencing in my life, um, which is why I even got into it like that. And so I would, but instead of like me acknowledging the things that were going on in my own life, because I couldn't really do that, I would just like hyper-focus on this character and what this character was going through and spend all of my time thinking about this fictional person that doesn't exist, the relationships that this fictional person has in a fictional world that isn't actually real. And uh, yeah, I used to like disappear into my head doing that kind of stuff all the time. I used to like write fan fiction stories in my head. Like when I would go to work, I would be like writing a story like that in my head to like pass the time or when I was like at school or when I was younger or when I would be like out with family or friends or whatever and I just needed to dissociate, that was like what I used to do in order to dissociate. But the thing with me and um, the way that I described how the friend of mine did it was she has like certain characters that kind of identify different times of her life. Um, for me, I don't necessarily do that. Um, it's more that there's like certain characters or like ships or whatever that, um, they kind of, I identify certain like issues like that I have, um, problems that come up in my life, feelings that I get into, like whatever they are. And when I want to work through those things, um, I read stories um, having to do with those characters. And it's not really specific necessarily to like an age of mine because those things can overlap at many different ages. It's more of just, it just kind of depends on the thing that has been coming up that has been bothering me. And, and like which character like kind of fits that best. Like, for example, um, um, Sherlock and John from like BBC Sherlock, um, they were one, the, I read, I still read fan fiction from them sometimes. I read one of fan fiction story of theirs the other day, um, like literally like the day yesterday. Um, but the stories that I tend to go back to when it comes to those stories tends to be when I'm feeling like lonely and isolated and I feel like I don't have any friends and I'm never going to make friends. When I get like really sad about stuff like that, I tend to read those stories because, because of how on BBC Sherlock and in the fan fiction for the show, Sherlock is like this person that doesn't have any friends, doesn't even want to call John his friend for a long time. Um, and people are always talking about like, what an asshole he is and things like that um and so it like reminds me of like there's a lot of stories that have to do with Sherlock not wanting to call John his friend or like not just straight up not believing that um that John cares about him as much as he actually does for a long time because he's so used to people not liking him 
Um, and it just reminds me of how I felt for most of my life that there was something weird and often different about me that no one could really put their finger on a lot of the time, but it was just there. And, um, I went so long without ever having any friends. Um, and I read those stories to remind, to help me, uh, when I feel like no one's ever going to understand me or, um, or anything like that. And so the other thing I read the BBC Sherlock stories for, or, uh, yeah, stories for is for asexuality stuff because I am ace or asexual and the whole reason why I ever figured out that asexuality is a thing that exists <laughs> is because when the first season of BBC Sherlock was on, people on Tumblr were talking about it and they were talking about Sherlock being asexual, which I'm always going to think he is, even if Stephen Moffat is too much of a misogynist to actually agree with that or even understand what asexuality is. But um, from people talking about it, it, that's that was the first time I Googled it and saw that it even is a thing and realized that I was asexual. That was when I was 27. So I, I made it all the way until I was 27, just feeling like I had no idea what my sexuality was because none of the ones I knew about fit me. Um, and so when I'm like feeling kind of the same thing, like when I'm feeling sad because it's, I've talked about this many times before, but one of the things with asexual stuff that's hard for me, especially to try to figure out, it's hard to, I say, especially me because I'm so like scared of sex, repulsed by it. I find it so disgusting and it's also super traumatizing and obviously quite triggering for me to think about. I don't even read like the, if I'm reading like a fan fiction story in anything that has like sex scenes of any kind, I don't read them. I just skip over, I just skip over them until they're, until they're done because I, I, it's too much for me. Um, but, um, sometimes I just get sad thinking about how I don't think that I am a romantic. I think that I am asexual and don't want to have sex, but I don't think that I'm aromantic. And what that basically means is that I, I do want to have like a companion of some sort of my, in my life. Like I've, I think I've mentioned this in, in the last couple months since my, when my, my cat Doug died because, um, I'm saying this because, uh, one of the things I thought about when he died was, that when the cat that I still have dies, that I wouldn't want to get another pet until I was sure that I would be living with someone that was like never going to leave, like was never going to move out or anything like that and would always be there to help me take care of them because that whole experience of my mom taking my cats for a couple months made me see that um my cats were some of the motivation for me to take care of myself and my apartment for many 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 years and when they weren't here for a couple months I realized that I don't need them for that anymore that when they were gone I still I was still like taking care of myself and I was um, cleaning my apartment and I realized how much easier it was to keep my apartment cleaner when they're not here because, you know, I, you don't have to vacuum as much and things like that. 
um, didn't have to buy any food or, or litter or anything like that when they were gone or like, or clean out their litter boxes or anything like that. Um, and I don't need them to almost like remind me to do those things anymore. And so, yeah, um, that goes in line with like the asexuality stuff because, um, I want somebody as like a companion, like, I don't know what to call it. Like basically like being, being in what people imagine, like what I imagine like a serious long-term relationship to be like, but just like without any of the sex in it. But the same thing of having somebody that I live with that wants, that is going, that wants to spend like their life with me, whether it never becomes like romantic, even like in the way that people consider romance, like, um, and it's more just like a friendship that is like, like what people call like queer platonic relationships, basically like a friendship, but more because you are the most, because you put your relationship first. Like you're not like friends, but also like looking for like a romantic relationship. Like that friendship is that like most like important relationship in your life. Um, that's what I want. And, but it's hard for me to imagine that I would ever find anybody who would be able to do that because I know that sex is not like a super important thing necessarily in a relationship as long as you're like having it and and all that like it's so i know that not having sex when you want to have it um would be a big deal and so and would be like pretty difficult for a relationship to to figure out if you have somebody who isn't ace at all and is like just has a normal sex drive with somebody like me who has like no sex drive and is terrified of sex and um and it wouldn't be good for me to likely have it because it would be really traumatic in ways that I wouldn't even be able to understand um because I don't remember like everything so I wouldn't even know what would like upset me um so yeah, that's what I read those stories for. And then, um, like there, I have a bunch of stories from Saved of like Bucky and Steve from, um, the Marvel movies and also a bunch of stories about Gansey from the Raven Cycle book series. And I also have some of from the Full Metal Alchemist anime. Um, those are all from like the same years which was basically the years when right before like the year or two before I went to therapy and then like the first couple years after I started going and my life was falling apart like I have so many Stephen Bucky stories particularly saved on my phone and I like never read them anymore because I use those those were like a thing that I read to cope um because because of the level of like depression and PTSD and all and like symptoms for lack of a better word that I was experiencing then I wanted to read stories that had a character that was as traumatized as I was honestly and would be like struggling as hard as I was because it made me feel like I wasn't you know crazy or yeah and Bucky is one of the rare characters that is like that like like canonically he was kidnapped by a terrorist organization and was um and then was had his brain like electrocuted and then also went through such horrible torture 
that he dissociated so much from himself that he completely forgot his name and anything having to do with who he was as a person for many, for like 70 years and was only ever, and the only time, the only time he was ever even awake for all those years was when he was being horribly traumatized and forced to kill people against his will, where they would trigger his brain and make him do it when he had no control over his body and what he was ever doing when he was in that state. Um, and it was the only like use that he had for himself for all that time. And then once he got away from them, he suddenly had to try to grapple with all the things that his body had done that he was not in control of when he did them. Um, and also deal with all of the other traumatic things that he experienced. And, um, so a lot of those stories are like him when he's like super depressed and super sad and having panic attacks every day and he can't sleep and all that stuff because I, that's because that's what I was doing. <laughs> like during, like during that time, like especially around 2018 and 2019 was when I read those all the time. But there are other times in my life when I felt that depressed too, um, that I would want to read them to remember. But especially during those years, I was that, like, I would, I had like, I would have a panic attack like every single day. I got like three to four hours of sleep. I could barely even function. I couldn't do any, I could hardly do anything at all. It was, it was bad. Um, and so reading stories of somebody, a fictional person going through that was exactly what I needed. Um, and then the, the latest one, the latest like fandom or whatever you want to call it that I do that that I do this with is My Hero Academia, which is a really good anime. Um, and the character, of course, that I focus on is Shoto Todoroki, who is a character who canonically has a dad that's just as abusive as my dad was. Um, he doesn't sexually abuse any of his kids, but um, everything else he does on the show, like in canon, like it's there's you don't even have to like you know make things up too much in fan fiction to make him super abusive because he's already super abusive on the show um i read those stories about shoto and i think the reason why i've been reading a lot of stories in that fandom is because kind of similar to what i was describing with like the bbc sherlock stories but um from a more like hopeful place one of the things on My Hero Academia that I love so much is that Shoto has this very, like, pure, wholesome, sweet friendship with um, Izuku or Deku, the, like, main character of the anime. Um, it's a really well-done friendship, um, but it's very, like, powerful, and it's just... The exact sort of, those are the kinds of relationships, all the kinds like that that I love are always like friendships like that where one person is super traumatized and the other person thinks they're great, basically, even though the other person doesn't, doesn't understand why they even want to be around them. But especially when it comes to like Shoto and Izuku is, um, Izuku's gone through some hard stuff too, so it's not like he, um, has had like a super great life. He also was bullied really hard with another character on the show by another character. I mean, on the show, but 
it's very much a situation that Izuku thinks that Shoto deserves better and that and explicitly tells him so like very aggressively <laughs> to get him to see and because of Izuku doing something for him like that in the very first season I don't want to say what it is just in case people want to watch it because I highly recommend it um it actually is one of the very rare things I've ever watched that is handled like an abusive dad in a very good way where it doesn't where it's not like Shoto on the show there's an entire storyline in like the second or third season one of those that um his dad is like wanting to make amends with him and he doesn't want to talk to him and he just keeps hanging up on him his dad will text him and his dad gets his phone number from one of his siblings because of course that's the kind of stuff they do and starts texting him and he doesn't respond he tries to call him and he just hangs up on him he has breakfast or dinner or whatever with him once and he just gives him like the like he just says like savage things to him um about about how horribly abusive he is and then just walks out and leaves and doesn't care if his dad is mad um because he's like just fed up and honestly saying that stuff out loud like makes sense for me like why i've been wanting to read a character going through kind of that and also having like a close friend like uzuku is on the show to help him through all of that and support him and and just care about him as a person um like Izuku knows about how abusive his dad is and his dad is a very public figure on the show like a lot of the other kids on the show look up to his dad because they think that he's a literal hero um that's why it's called my hero academia <laughs> um they're in school to basically become like heroes because they all have like these interesting unique like kind of powers in this in this world but um Izuku knows about how abusive his dad is and he doesn't tell anybody and he um just kind of helps support Shoto during all of that when he's dealing with all of that and doesn't like pressure him to do anything more about it than he already has um and it makes sense when I think about that that this that that is what I've been that this is a character that I've been focusing on is because a lot of the um, a lot of the memories lately that I've been like that have been coming back, and by lately I mean over the last two years, um, that I've come back in EMDR sessions, or even just like when I, I've had at least one memory come back when I was just reading a fanfic <laughs> about uh, from My Hero Academia because the dad, um, Shoto's dad, is so similar to mine that if I read um like his angry like dialogue and stuff in stories it usually is so close to what my dad sounded like that it's like triggering to me and can bring memories back so I usually just skip over also in stories if they ever have a scene with like him and his dad I tend to just like skip over the as much of the dialogue from his dad as possible without me being confused about what's going on on the show anymore or like to follow like the plot and stuff because it's just like too much um but yeah it makes sense when I think about it that I would get really, that that would be like the characters that I would be really invested in right now because a lot of the memories, because I think the thing with, I think the thing for people to keep in mind if you haven't experienced this yet about um, when like traumatic memories start coming back because you are going to therapy because you're working through things and 
um, and all that is that the longer that you do it, kind of the worst memories you get come back because you've worked through things enough and have more coping mechanisms under your belt to help handle things that you can handle worse off things than you could before. And the last like two years, especially the last year, um, the memories I've been getting back are pretty fucking horrific. Like I used to think about my dad as if, I don't know, I had, I gained a lot of empathy for him um, by realizing that, you know, his childhood must have been pretty bad too in order for him to do the things that he did and not to like take away from anything that he did to me, but um, just to acknowledge that fact. And, but then the last like year or so, the memories I've been getting back of him just being evil, like a monster, just doing the absolute worst things to me has made most of that empathy just like go flying out the window where um, I am just so, I'm, I'm, it's interesting because I used to be, when he was alive, um, most of the time when he was alive, I would just be like so angry at him and hadn't, didn't want anything to do with him. The last couple years before he died, he couldn't speak because he had dementia. And so our relationship was much better. Um, and then when I went back to therapy, I was just so angry at him because I was actually acknowledging everything he did and everything that my mom did because of him and all that kind of stuff that I looked at him as just not even like, I was aware when I was doing it that I, that I knew that there things were more complicated with him, but I just couldn't handle thinking about the fact that he was also a victim of things and things like that. I just needed to be angry at him. And then I gained all that. I started gaining empathy and stuff back about the fact when I could look at him as like a complicated person instead of as just this like black and white version I had. And I still think about him now as a very complicated person, but I also just sit there and talk and talk about what a monster he was. And because the things that I've been remembering the last year or so has been like very monstrous sort of things that he was doing, things that he said to me that were just off the charts, horrible. And the way that he treated me, like even just like physically, like the physical pain that I was in all the time has been, it's just enraging and also just horrible to know that he put me through that. And he knew that he was putting me through that when he was doing it and he just kept doing it anyway. And so having a character like Shoto that has a dad-like endeavor that does similar things where he's just so always so abusive like even when he's trying to be better it doesn't completely ever go away like just how he is so focused on himself and just how he talks to his kids and as if they were like everything about about his kids he just looks at what he what they can do for him and what their lives how their lives reflect on him he doesn't care about them at all among other things that happen and so reading fan fiction stories that focus on a dad like that um, is what I need right now because that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about. And then the other thing with those stories that I think that I'm trying to work through is the friendship between Izuku and Shoto on the show is so wonderful and pure and beautiful. Like they just um, support each other kind of 
this is the kind of friendship that I always love in like everything that I really have ever gotten invested in. Um, but it is true that uh, I know that a lot of times people watching shows love the kind of enemies to lovers trope or like even enemies to friends um, where they don't get along and the fun of the show is watching the two characters eventually get along and realize and then become like close friends through the years but for me I've always loved the people on the sh on whatever I'm interested in that um they don't go through any of that stuff they just really care about each other and just get along and click straight from the beginning and it's more of just their own like emotional kind of turmoil or their like life circumstances that compl complicates them getting together not not that they they don't have to figure out how to get along or they don't have to figure out if they really like each other it's purely like they don't think that they deserve to be happy is usually the thing that stops them from getting together like um a lot of the shoto izuku stories that i read that involve them being like romantically together since that's what a lot of fan fiction is it's kind of a trope in that fandom that a lot of those stories with the two of them as like the couple getting together is they have them being like oblivious because Uzuku grew up being horribly bullied by another character on the show. And so he doesn't think that he's like that special or interesting when he is amazing, obviously. And Shoto grew up with a horribly abusive father who told him all the time that he was only worth what he could do for him and his name and went through horrific abuse, like has full on flashbacks of being like physically abused and tortured basically by his dad from the age of five like going forward like his mom had a psychotic break and like burned his face because he looked like his dad which is something i can identify with like the part of being upset because you look because someone is upset because you look like your dad like i still don't like looking at my face sometimes because it reminds me of my dad because i do look like my dad um and so it's like the two of them the the trope that people use is the they're oblivious because they don't think that the other person could possibly ever have romantic feelings for them. And so when when like other characters try to point out when they think that the other person is like hinting at that they have more feelings than normal or whatever that or just friendship for that for them, they legitimately like don't see it. And because, and it's not like necessarily even like obliviousness, it's just that they don't see that as a possibility. And I really like, sounds weird, but I really like reading stories like that because that is something that, that I definitely know that I do. Like, um, there's been a couple times in the last few years that I have had friends like online, you know, acquaintances friends whatever you want to call like online friends that are good friends for a while but you'd never get to like the point where you feel like closer super close to them in that way but they're like friendships that were fine and good but you know one day they just kind of stopped talking to me and I was never sure why um there's been two people like that that I've realized after the fact like talking to people about it trying to figure out like why this person disappeared and ironically reading fan fiction where they where they show a character for sometimes many chapters trying to like 
flirt with the other character or trying to show that they're interested without the other character, without freaking the other character out um, and, like, messing up the friendship. Like, things in those stories have been things that those people have said. And so then I realized way after the fact that that those people might have had, like, some sort of crush or something on me and, and might have felt like I was leading them on um, because I legitimately have never thought that, like, anywhere in my life history that anyone would ever want to date me, would ever be interested even in me, would ever be even attracted to me because I think that I'm ugly and disgusting. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that for, like, sympathy. That's legitimately how I feel, and I know that's all from like all the trauma and everything and being fat and growing up fat for sure. But that's just like how I feel. And so it never even enters my mind. Like, like uh, this happened recently with like an acquaintance friend for a while. And um, then I realized that some of the stuff they were saying was probably them trying to hint at that without saying it because they know how they know my traumatic history. And so they would know that if they, or more overt about it, it definitely would have freaked me out. And, and it's funny because I was laughing at myself when I was like realizing it because, um, because I was going through all the different things that could have happened that could have possibly led to them just like not talking to me anymore for whatever reason. Um, and I thought of a million different things and that was not even one of the things I ever even entertained. And that was likely a good part of why that happened. And, but it just like never once occurs to me. <laughs> um, and the thing, especially now that the Shoto and Izuku stories cover that I, I need to read at this point to almost just give me like hope is that a lot of the stories of the two, of those two characters getting together, especially because the show, my hero is like when they're in high school, a great majority of the sh of the stories that are written about them, especially if it's them like getting together, a lot of them are when they're older, when they're in like their twenties, like college ish age or, or older even, because um, it's just easier, I think, for people to imagine things like that happening, especially if they put in like sex scenes. Nobody wants to write a story or read a story with like two minors doing stuff like that. That's just kind of weird. So they you know, age them up. And so, um, especially since they're a little bit older, which is always nice to read stories where characters are a little bit closer to, um, they're still way, the characters are still like 15 years younger than me, but closer to my age than like high school students, you know, but, um, I've been reading those a lot just because the stories of the two of them getting together is essentially, um, somebody who's super traumatized, which is obviously the Shoto, um, and super traumatized by all of these things in his childhood and is like trying to make a relationship work in a way with somebody, even just their friendship, like on the show, like Shoto literally says that like Izuku is like his first friend, his first like real friend, um, which is wild because he's like 15, but that also reminds me of my life. Like I didn't really have real friends until I was like a sophomore in high school so that's pretty much the same age um but anyway he like it's very much the dynamic is Shoto is super traumatized and all that from his childhood there's a lot of things he doesn't remember he dissociates a good amount 
And there's a lot of just like abusive things that he thinks are normal that you can't really know aren't normal until you interact with somebody in a like a vulnerable, like personal way where they where you realize that it's not. Um, and so it's very much him being traumatized like that. And Uzuku having, you know, his own stuff. Yeah. But he's also the one that is like that had a great mom growing up who was a really wonderful parent and loved him and had that like good support for like the rest of his life going forward when it comes to that. And so um, he's kind of the more stable character that will help like Shoto kind of navigate through the like trauma things that come up and help him understand and just and it's like something that I've heard people talk about like not even just in like fan fiction or like media but also in real life I've heard people say that that like sometimes people will be like really patient with you and they'll help you and stick and stick it together with you while you're triggered, while you're being triggered by things that you can't even remember, or just have, like, weird reactions to things that you don't even completely understand at the time, because figuring out what we feel is really hard still, um, and it's just a hard thing to try to figure out, like, being in an intimate, like, vulnerable relationship, even if it never crosses, like, the physical border in that way with sex, is still, like, really scary, and there's, like, a million different triggers that come up when you've been through any sort of like child abuse even if it's not sexual abuse um and I've heard that I've I've not only have I seen that trope in like everything I've ever watched but I've also just heard that you know there are people out there that will love you for who you are that will be willing to kind of help you wade through all that stuff because they love you and they think that you deserve it and it's really hard for me to believe that because I don't think that I'm worth it of course but beyond that it's hard for me to believe it because I just think like why would somebody ever want to put up with someone who has so many triggers with any like sort of like vulnerability especially any sort of like physical touch or physical vulnerability in any way when they could have a relationship with someone who doesn't have those things, like who won't get triggered by something and not even know what is exactly triggering them because they can't remember. Um, it's just hard for me to believe that somebody would ever want to kind of stick it out in that way and work through those things with somebody that has so many issues like that, if they could just find a relationship with someone that didn't have those things and it would probably be much easier for it to be successful. Um, and I know that like most people who experience that say that like, you know, they want to be in the relationship with that person. They don't want to be with someone else. And even if they sometimes, even if you do have problems like that, they're willing to work it out with you because they love you and they care about you and they know that you deserve to be happy and they, and that we make them that happy. And so it doesn't feel like a burden or anything hard for them to do. Um, and I'm at this stage now in my life where I want that. Like I, 
Um, I said this before earlier in this episode, but I want, I don't want to live the rest of my life alone, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like I'm almost 39 years old and most of my life I have been alone. Um, even when I was around, like, it sounds like such a fucking emo stereotype, but even when I was around other people for most of my life, I still felt like I was alone because I have so many, because there's so many secrets. Um, even my closest friends never knew about my dad until, you know, six years ago. And, um, and there's still things that those people who I don't speak to anymore don't even know. Like, there are things that my mom still doesn't know. <laughs> um, like, that's kind of the, at least, I don't, like, every family is obviously different, but at least for me and my family, there were secrets that I was keeping from everyone. Like, there were secrets that I was keeping that my, things that my dad was doing that I kept from everyone, including my mom, my sister. There were things that my sister did that I kept secret from both of my parents. There were things that, um, my mom would say to me sometimes that I wouldn't say anything about, um, to anyone else. Um, there's just, there's like secrets on top of secrets on top of secrets. And, um, it was just like never ending. And so for me, I always kind of felt separate from everyone else because like, you can't walk around just knowing all of those things without feeling like that heaviness in you, even if no one else can see it and you look normal and sound somewhat normal and at least passing to be around people, especially the friends that I had later on in life too. Um, and so it's just hard to, yeah. And anyway, basically what I'm saying is that for most of my life, I was just kind of like on my own. I had all of these things that I felt like I couldn't tell anybody and, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I felt like I, I had to like do everything on my own because, um, the people around me like weren't there or I felt like I couldn't tell them what I, the things I needed help with, because if I did, then I would have to tell them the things I'm not supposed to tell anybody. And it was just like this horrible thing. And so for most of my life, I felt very alone and I'm not going to lie. There's always going to be times where I'm going to want to be alone because I just, there's, there are certain things that I like to do, like, like creative stuff, like all of the idea, I've been getting ideas the last couple of days about creativity things, which is a godsend because I felt like it after the last four months of not really having any ideas and crying about missing being creative, I felt like it, I was kind of scared that it was just like never going to come back. But I've had some good ideas in the last couple of days, like last two days or so, which has been really nice to be excited about something again. Um, but anyway, when I do that stuff, when I do like art stuff, creative stuff, it doesn't work, at least so far, it doesn't really work as well when somebody else is there. I usually like listen to music and I have to like usually listen to music when I'm making creative stuff. Cause it just, I don't know, music is something that helps me focus on it and like just kind of get ideas and get like into the flow of what you need to do in order to do that kind of stuff. And I wouldn't, and I don't think I would be able to do that as easily if somebody else was like there. And so, yeah, there's always going to be times where I'm going to want to go off and do things on my own, but 
at the same time, I've lived most of the last 38 years, almost 39 years on my own, doing handling everything on my own. And I'm tired of that. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I want to have some sort of a companion that will stay with me for the rest of my life. Like, that's like the dream anyway. Um, a lot of the friendships, basically all the friendships that I've had in my life so far have fallen apart for one reason or another. There's only been a couple um, in the last couple of years that have lasted. Like, um, I have one friendship with somebody that I made online in 2021, and we're still friends, and it's been almost three years, and that's honestly one of the longest friendships I've had. Um, even like I had friends since I was in high school, but there were times where we would like, wouldn't talk and that this friendship I'm talking about is also like an actual real friendship as opposed to, um, all the years when I was like emotionally stunted, <laughs> but yeah, like I just, I don't want to have to handle things on my own. Like I want to be able to, I, I like, I love to imagine living in the same place of someone who could help me with cleaning stuff that is always challenging for me that could help me like pay the bills so I don't have to handle everything on my own which definitely makes life easier would help me do like those kind of daily tasks like cooking for me when I can't handle it or getting me food when I just when I just want to eat like one of my safe foods and don't want to do anything else and instead of forcing myself to like make things for myself they could do it for me and just help me feel okay or like just have another person to notice or like to talk to when I'm in a mood where I want to talk about something that I'm upset about or whatever or even just somebody there to come and talk to me every day um to help me get out of a bad mood when I'm in a bad mood because that's something like my sister and I living together wasn't exactly the best situation, but one thing that I do remember from the years that we lived together that was a positive thing is that she used to come to my like bedroom door when she would get home from school or get home from work. And she would usually just like fall over on the floor because we were both working and doing school then. So we were always tired. And she would just kind of sit there in like my living and in, in like my bedroom doorway and just like sometimes sit there like once a week and just talk about whatever shit was going on in her life. And it was it was a nice thing for and a lot of times like it was a very unhealthy thing when I was living with my sister because it didn't come from like a good place. It was more of like sometimes I wouldn't order out food because I knew that if she saw, she might like get mad at me for spending money on that or like yell at me about, about buying like too much pizza or something. Um, and like sometimes I would just feel like that pressure that she would get mad at me and yell at me if I did something wrong. And that would like stop me from doing stuff like that. Like that's not exactly a good like motivator, it, like fear. That's not good. Um, but at the same time, like the general idea of like living with someone that would help get me out of a bad mood and just kind of help me out with things like since I've like um since I've realized that I'm autistic that there are certain things with me like doing the dishes and um certain cleaning things and stuff like that that are always going to be hard for me because of the sensory things they're like 
going out to like a public place like a big restaurant or like grocery shopping or just super crowded places with lots of people and and lots of bright lights and stuff are always going to be hard for me and so there's always going to be times where I struggle with that and so I just like the idea of living with someone that could support me with like the sensory stuff and then also support me with all of the other shit that I always have going on in my brain um because of all of the abuse stuff and so on top of all of it and um a lot of the stories with Shoto and Izuku are basically that's what's happening in those stories is Zuku's helping Shoto get through like their relationship and get through hard times and and give him like that other family and support system that he never had growing up and um I I like I guess what I'm trying to say with this episode is that um I specifically sometimes will like search for stories of things that that I wish happened to me um it's always kind of a it's kind of like one of those things of sometimes it's too sad I get too sad reading a story of something that I wished happened to me but it's but sometimes I'll like search search out a specific story because it's something that I almost want to see sorry that was me burping um depicted before I could ever imagine it happening like um like uh the Shoto Izuku stories I'm reading is like a super traumatized person figuring out how to be a good friend and then it usually leads to some sort of romance but um those are like the kind of stories I need to read and I need to read a lot to like convince myself that I can maintain friendships that I could like possibly if I'm lucky enough one day to meet someone who would be up for like a queer platonic situation um would be willing to do that with me by reading somebody else be in a situation like that with a very similar life experience as me like the other day like yesterday I looked up an old very uh, old like bbc sherlock story that i lost the um that i lost the bookmark to at one point in the last like 10 years <laughs> I've, I've literally had that like a bunch of stories of bbc sherlock saved on my phone for 10 years now um but one of the ones i would looked up is this really good story called consent um and it's and it's a story where sherlock was um sexually abused and by by somebody in his past who was it like it was an in that story it is his uncle by marriage and it was when he was he was basically groomed by him when he was a teenager and and was definitely like abused sexually and otherwise by him um and the story is basically him wanting to be in a relationship with John but having all of this trauma from this past sexual experience and so the story is the two of them trying to figure out how to handle their relationship and how to work through all of that stuff and and John helping him helping support him while he works through all of these triggers and things like that that he's that he's never had to work through before because he's never wanted to be in a relationship with someone before um and I looked and to read that story because um because I want to believe that that could that something like that could exist for me one day because I don't know. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say about this whole fan fiction thing is that for me, it's been a way 
of me to cope. It's been a way for me to work through issues that I'm having. Like, um, like sometimes I read stories where like a character's abuse is, is reported or the Shoto Izuku stories can sometimes be really hard because I would have died to have a friend that knew how abusive my dad really was and when it was actively happening and would have supported me through it. Like my, my friends and when I was in high school, they all knew that I hated my dad and they all like, and they knew that we did not get along at all. And they knew that I was afraid of him and, and I hated him. That was very obvious. Nobody was like under the impression that I was happy at home. Um, but they also didn't know completely just how bad it actually was. And so sometimes reading those stories is hard, but at the same time, sometimes it's comforting to read people, like uh, to see somebody who's going through the same sort of stuff I did get like the sort of companionship and help that I wish that I could have had. That, cause it, I just sometimes lately, I think to try to like cap off this whole like ramble, I think what's been going on with me the last couple months or so, I remember the last, um, so I remember the last mediumship reading I had was in July. And I always think it's funny when I look back at when I have those readings, because it t I tend to have them like right before like life just like goes off the rails. <laughs> and so like, um, I remember when I had my last mediumship reading was when my, one of my friend, the friend that I had that I was pretty good friends with that, um, stopped talking to me in the beginning of July after we had a big blow up fight. When we had that reading was like right, like literally right after that fight had happened. So it was in the stage where I thought that she was going to come back and talk to me was, and was just taking her time before coming back. At that point, I didn't realize that she was never going to come back. Um, and it was right before I started talking to my mom again and all this other stuff. The last like six months of the year happened. Um, and like literally like a week later after that, after that mediumship session was when I asked my mom to take care of my cats for me for a couple months because I needed a break taking care of them because I could tell that one of my cats was dying and I didn't know how to handle it. Um, but what was I saying before? Um, oh, Jordan. Of course, my cat starts meowing when he hears me talking about having cats. Um, what I was saying was that um, the reason why I've been focusing on the kind of stories I've been reading is that um, and I guess this is like a good way to explain that, that you can kind of, that the things you look for kind of change depending on what you need at that time. You know, like I, I said, like when I needed to see somebody who was just as depressed as I was, I read Stephen Bucky fanfic. When I want to read stories of when you're depressed and, and you want someone there to like sit with you when you're feeling depressed or feeling like you're not sure that anyone's ever going to understand you. I read BBC Sherlock fan fiction. Um, when I want to read stories talking about like family stuff, but still like, like the pressure you feel from needing to be there for your family over everyone else. I read full metal alchemist fan fiction. Um, and like the, the stuff that I've been reading lately 
I've been reading the kind of stories with Shoto and Izuku, particularly the last like year or so. Um, they've been like most of the fanfic kind of stuff that I've been sticking with. I've been reading that because the last like year or so, there's been like, um, the reason why I talked about my last mediumship reading was that during that one, um, one of the things that the, my medium friend brought up during the session that one of my loved ones said was that some like positive like memories would also come up and that would be something like a nice change for there to be something like positive or like happier memories existing from childhood ish times that I didn't remember. And the like the two friends that I was talking about that I for like kind of forgot existed um, in my dissociative amnesia episode is a good example of that. And so I've been remembering um, a couple people that knew me when I was going through the worst of the abuse and were really nice to me and made me feel understood and accepted and were really like, like when I think about the things those people, those kids, like really we're all kids, but still like did for me, I just like get so emotional about it and almost want to like sit there and cry because they, they really made me realize that there are good people in the world and not everybody is horrible and it really helped me like stay alive, honestly, for many years to even if when I couldn't remember that, like these experiences with these people, um, it was still kind of there. Like I just had this general idea that there are some people in the world that are nice, good people that understand what you're going through and will. And it's it's funny. It's honestly one of the things with those two people that I think is funny is that I look back at a lot of the friends that I chose for myself over the years and they were and they were kind of there's a lot of people through those years that had like qualities that are similar to what those people were like and like like I said like I can't remember really what these people look like or their names or hardly anything to do with them but I do remember like what I felt like when I was around them and so I I can remember these like vague qualities about them and then realize that some of the other friends that I made going through life like I trusted those people because even though I couldn't really clearly remember these people, especially back then, I remembered them enough to for my brain to know that these people, this other friend reminded me of these people in my past that made me feel like I was accepted. And so maybe this person is also a safe person that would also make me feel accepted. And so um, remembering those people, like remembering people that realized that something was wrong and tried to be there for me and try to help me out in whatever like limited ways they could it just makes me think about that and wish that I and wonder like is there going to be somebody like that in my life as an adult because um yeah like one of the things my therapist has the therapist that I've been seeing for the last year and a half our first session she said that she wanted she wanted to help me get to like my happily ever after, which is the way that she put it was like, you know, I went through like the mess. I went through the years when I was suicidal and didn't want to live anymore. Um, and I made it through that, but now she's, but she was like, you know, you're close to getting and proving your life and your life being happy and you being happy. Um, and so she wants to basically help me get to that point. And that's, 
Yeah, that's exactly where I am. Like part of why the last couple months I've been so sad and like fed up with life and just tired and like feeling like I should stop trying to like improve my life is because I feel like I'm on like the precipice all the time of something finally improving, like um, finding a job that pays better money, finding a career that I actually enjoy doing art stuff and like doing it as a career or something or other. Um, like just uh, finding like actual friends, like there's been, you know, a bunch of setbacks with all of those things. And it's been really hard to like feel like something's going to work out. And then for whatever reason, it all fall ap- it all falls apart and it doesn't work out. Um, and so my therapist has been wanting me to get to the point where I do find the, the, the career that makes me happy. I find really good friends. I find really good, healthy relationships that are people who love me and care about me that understand who I am and all the issues that I have and still support me and have me not like live in fear all the time that those people will abandon me. Um, and I'm at the point now, I think, especially after remembering that there were people that were nice to me when things were horrible and I was a huge mess, um, that I wish I could talk to again, because just to like, if for nothing else to thank them for doing that for me, even if I can't remember most of what they did, the things that I do remember are very, a very good thing. Um, and it just makes me wish that I had that sort of bond or it, it's kind of like the pipe dream of like, what if we can somehow find each other as adults and we can actually be like good friends this time because we're not kids anymore that will be separated because our parents stopped seeing each other. Um, and, and even if it's not people like that, I just want that sort of companionship. Like I've been mostly alone since 2020, like beginning of 2020, um, May of 2020 was when I stopped talking to all the ex old friends I had since high school. And I've been really tired of that. I want to do things. I want to, you know, go out and do stuff. I want to go to like art studios. I want to go to like, like splash rooms, which are like art studios where you throw paint at a wall. Um, I want to go to like art festivals and different like showings, um, different museums just escape rooms. I want to just do go out to like nice restaurants, do like fun things like you're supposed to do. I've never really done a lot of those things because of how traumatized I've been the most of my life. I did some of that with my old friends, but I'm a very different person now. I would actually enjoy it much more now than I did in the past because I am, I can be in groups and handle things much better and just handle intimate relationships like that much better than I was before. And, um, so I find myself reading a lot of fan fiction stories of a really traumatized person working through that stuff to almost, it's basically like an anxiety thing. Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to get to is that I read stories about Shoto, like figuring out how to be friends with someone, how to share, like, intimate parts of his life with someone and how to make a long-term like friendship or relationship last with someone when I get like anxious and feel like it's never going to happen for me to convince myself of it. And also (laughs) I'll end this episode, but it's basically also kind of like a study and like, maybe this is like an autistic specific thing, but maybe it isn't. 
if it's not, go ahead and try it. But one thing that I do that is, uh, that I feel like might be from being autistic, but maybe not, is that I, I kind of almost treat new things like that as an experiment. And so I kind of like try things out with people to see what will happen. And so for me, like reading the fan fiction that I read yesterday, the BBC Sherlock one of Sherlock working through all of his triggers to try to figure out how to be in relationship with somebody that he loved, um, even though he was super traumatized by sex and stuff like that. Um, that was like me as an experiment reading a story of like fictional people granted, but a, a situation that a lot of real people go through to see like how they handled it, the things they they confronted and how they worked through it to almost read someone as an example of somebody doing that to make myself think about if I ever got in that sort of situation, how would I handle the same things happening to me? Um, and like the Shoto and like Izuku kind of stories I've been reading a lot of fan fiction lately has basically been that too of me reading these stories when I feel anxious and I feel like I'm never going to have any friends and also just reading stories of like queer platonic basically relationships to make me just to have some hope that that will work out for me one day even if even if I know that it's hard to believe because it feels very I've never met in person that's actually ace in person where I've known that they're ace and they're standing in front of me um and so because it's I don't know it's just there isn't a ton of us and so even though I know that it's it's not a lot of people that that would work with. I still need to have that hope to believe it because I refuse to believe that after everything that I've gone through in my life so far, that I'm not going to find someone as like a companion. I think more than I'm at the point now where I can admit, like I went through trauma that's so bad that it was basically torture from my dad. And after experiencing that, somehow never being killed by my dad when I was going through it and now recovering enough to to stay alive this long and now getting to the point where I could start to live my own life, I definitely deserve to have a companion, even if it's just one person for the rest of my life. I deserve that. Like everyone deserves it, but I really fucking deserve it after everything I went through. And especially since I n I've never really had people like that before to the point that most people do because of all of the trauma and stuff that I went through that I didn't know how. But now I feel like I have the best chance of knowing how to do it. And I feel like I deserve to have that companionship for the last however many years of my life after not having any for the first 38 years of my life. Um, and so reading these sort of stories is just something that I do to make me feel understood when I feel like nobody does and helps me like read things as an experiment to, I don't know. Like, I think it's kind of a thing of like, I know that me having friends is going to always going to be really challenging because it's really hard for me to trust people. So I feel like if I read a bunch of stories of different traumatized people figuring out how to do it, that maybe that will help me be able to figure it out myself. Um, yeah, I'll stop rambling now. <laughs>